Um, it's really encouraging to be here this morning. Please turn your Bibles to uh, John chapter 7. Henry is so encouraging all the time. Awesome. Um, you know, it's uh, really encouraging to uh, be able to conclude our study here today. This theme that we've been covering called Global Network. And today's title is called Reboot. And there's nothing but negative feelings when you hear kind of that word, right? Frustration with your computer, with your PC a lot of the times, with your Mac sometimes. It's kind of truth. You know, uh, this past, uh, my, uh, my computer froze, my, my MacBook, and it just it stopped working. And unbelievable, shocking. And I tried so many different things. I called so many different people. I went online with another computer, Googling so many different things, and just nothing to get my computer to start. And you know, the, the screen's just blue, and there's this, just a file with a question mark. You know, just every time it flashed, it was just like someone was just punching me in the chest. But you know, when you've had that experience with your computer and your computer, you, you need a reboot. Something it means something's gone wrong, right? You know, but it's really encouraging here that spiritually, all of us from time to time we kind of, we need a reboot. We need a restart. Amen. And, and and that's the, the purpose of our study today uh, is there, is that, that we can understand it's okay if we need a reboot, we just have to make sure we start with Jesus. Amen? And so when my computer crashed, you know, I had not backed up my computer since December 3rd. And so as it was repaired, there's no memory of... Recorded from Christmas, and that hurt. Having Ezra, you know, going crazy, opening up all the gifts. Um, it's probably good, maybe, that it's not recorded, because, you know, we're a little concerned there. Um, but, you know, it, it's all gone. But, hey, lesson learned, right? A few years ago, about five years ago, I had another computer, It was, and I had it for almost five years, and I know, this is bad, I never backed it up for five years. I always wanted to. But I never did. And so I had it in my bag, you know, my computer in my bag after church, and we're going to get together with a a few teen leaders, a couple, uh, for lunch. We're going to hang out for a little bit. And I thought, should I bring my Bible? And I said, nah, we're probably just going to talk. So I left my Bible in my bag next to my computer. We went into Rubio's, had some food, came out in the... My car's window was broken. The alarm didn't go off. They took my bag from the back seat, along with my computer. Five years of retreats, pictures, files, you know, different papers that I had written. I was in school. I was going to school at the time. Gone. I mean, almost every well. Very frequently do I think back of something I had in that computer. It's kind of like losing a pet. Like, ah! It, it just hurts. It just hurts. You know, they obviously, my wallet was in there also. And, 
you know, they went across the street to Target and spent $500 in like 20 minutes. Like, what is going on? That really hurt. But when I got this computer, the next one, I said, okay, I'm backing it up. But of course, now I did better. December 3rd of 2012 is good. But not good enough because, hey, Christmas is missing. You know, that's really how Christianity can be. Where we start with Jesus, we start with God, and we go along the way in our walk with God. But somewhere along the way, we get a little distracted. Somewhere along the way, we stop focusing on Him. Now, we stop, we continue to focus on the right things, right? With, if you're married, you can be focusing on your marriage. If you're pursuing a career, you can be pursuing on your career. You can, you know, if you struggle with pride, you're, 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 you're pursuing humility. You can be pursuing all these things, and all those things are great. But in that search, in that focus, we can lose sight of who we follow. We can lose sight of why we go to church, why we take communion. We can lose sight of how God feels about us. And we can get trapped in how we see ourselves. That's either really negative or really positive. And it changes depending on what happens. And and so it's good to have a reboot because we're able to go back and start with Jesus. Amen? So this morning, if we're going to talk about reboot, we're going to talk about restarting, we got to read the Scriptures, amen? And so we're going to read here, starting in chapter in chapter 7. Oh, I haven't clicked it on. That's why it's not working. Before we start, you know, yesterday, uh, the teen leader guys, uh, the teen leaders and the teen guys from the coastal LA, we went out paintballing. Uh, it was such a great time just being out there uh, celebrating our manhood in some ways. And uh, it was so encouraging. I got so many hugs today, and every time someone hugged me, it was like, because ah, I have just bruises in my back. Uh, but it was such a such a fun time. And uh, we met with our sister church there in the north region. We were in Santa Clarita, and it was just so great to be able to bond in that way, and uh, you know, be able to really pray <laughs> uh, before the matches would start. And uh, it was completely safe. It was completely spiritual. We had a great time. And, uh, you know, some of, the, some of the, the teen girls are like, hey, why can't we go? So we're going to try and go in three weeks and open it up for everyone else if they want to come. It was, a, it was a great time. You know, these are some of the definitions of rebooting. Ultimately, it's a restart. And it happens because there's a problem. And we covered that, Right. Spiritually speaking, we need a reboot because sometimes we just, we just have a problem. Reboot. But the word we'll use here for the rest of the service is restart. Amen? Restart. And we've got to restart our focus. We've got to recover from error. And we've got to start over. Right? And it's okay to start over. You know, even as, as a church, there's a lot of different changes they're not necessarily bad. They can be great changes. Why? Because as long as we restart with Jesus first. Amen? You may have some challenges in your family. It's alright. As long as you restart with Jesus. Maybe you guys are in, they're in school or have had a rough semester. Amen. You can restart with Jesus first. Amen? Doing everything for God, including 
your homework. So let's restart with Jesus. Again, it's easy to lose our focus, right? What's the first thing you notice here? Right there, right? This is a a flossing ad from Colgate, right? And when you look at it, the first thing that stands out is, man, look at those guys' teeth. Yeah, we need to floss, right? But the point is, sometimes we are not really paying attention, and so you don't pay attention that this guy only has one ear. Because all you're looking at is at his teeth. You don't notice that there's kind of an invisible arm back here that where in the world is that coming from? Because you're just kind of focused here and you don't notice, whoa, what is that? Extra fingers. Kind of creepy now. And again, this is why we need restarts in our faith because we can get so focused on one thing. Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's not a good thing. But ultimately, it's easy to miss Jesus. I know for me, going on being a Christian for 12 years, reading the Bible, it's easy for me to miss Jesus and read my Bible to create lessons. Or read my Bible out of obligation or just out of just need. I, I, I know I need to read my Bible. If I don't read my Bible, I, my mind just goes everywhere. Not all those things are bad, but if I'm not excited to read the Bible just to know about God, that's not a good thing. You know, for a long time, it's, as a young Christian, the way I read my Bible was, okay, I woke up in the morning, sometimes really early, sometimes not that early, and I'd be like, okay, what do I need to work on? And I'd, okay, I'm prideful. Let me look in the concordance. Pride, let me read pride. Okay, I need to be more disciplined. And all those studies were good. But what was happening is I was reading the Bible based on what I needed. Instead of, let me find out what I can learn from God this morning. You know, sometimes we avoid certain books in the Bible because we're like, well, that's not going to relate to me. Right? Or, if you've been a Christian for a long time and you've read the Gospels over and over... Sometimes, if you're like me, you can kind of read, you know, you're in John chapter 3, and you're like, okay, Nicodemus, alright, I already read this. And you're not saying that out loud, or you probably feel bad. But you're kind of thinking, I know I do, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of bored reading this. Alright, I already read that. This is the feelings I'm having. You guys, Some of you guys are laughing, you're with me. I'm not the only one with those kinds of thoughts, right? But you know what? We can always learn something new. And it's, it's how you go into the Scriptures. And I think one great way to restart our view of God, if you need a restart, is, hey, starting, the, starting to read the Bible, just, what can I learn from God? This book may have, it doesn't even relate to my life. But if I can learn something about God's heart, then that's all I need. Amen? So let's go ahead and read here, John chapter 7. We're going to read here for a while, so let's follow along. If you don't have a Bible, you can borrow a Bible from someone next to you. If you're visiting with us and you don't have a Bible yet, uh, uh, please ask someone next to you if they can share the Scriptures with you. Amen? Verse 1, After this, 
Jesus went around in Galilee, purposely staying away from Judea because the Jews there were waiting to take his life. But when Jesus, sorry, but when the Jewish feast of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brother said to him, You ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to, to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore, Jesus told them, The right time for me has not yet come. For you, any time is right. Little side note, you know, if you're single and you have family members that are always asking you, hey, when are you going to get married? Perfect scripture to share. Verse 7, let's go on. The world cannot hate you because it hates me, because I testify that what it does is evil. You go to the feast, I am not yet going up to, the, to this feast because you... Sorry, the light is really bad. For me, the right time has not yet come. Having said this, he, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the feast, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the feast, the Jews were watching for him and asking, Where is that man? Among the crowds, there was a widespread whisper about him. Some said, He's a good man. Others replied, No, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the Jews. Verse 14. Not until halfway through the feast did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews were amazed and asked, How did this man get such learning without having studied? Teens, this is not a scripture to justify you not studying for your test. Verse 16. Jesus answered, My teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. He who speaks on his own does so to gain honor for himself. But he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet no one who keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You are demon-possessed, the crowd answered. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, and you are all astonished. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcised a child on the Sabbath. Now if a child can be circumcised on the Sabbath, so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a whole man on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances and make the right judgment. At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is, speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Christ? But we know where this man is from. When the Christ comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him, because I am 
from him, and he sent me. At this, they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him, because this, his time had not yet come. Still many in the crowd put their faith in him. They said, when the Christ comes, will he do more miracle, miraculous signs than this man? The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent the temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time. And then I go to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go? That we cannot find him. Will he go where other our people will live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, you will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Verse 37, on the last day of the greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely this man is a prophet. Others said, He is a Christ. Still others asked, How can the Christ come from Galilee? Does not the Scripture say that the Christ will come from David's family and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize Him, but no one laid a hand on Him. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, Why didn't you bring Him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards declared. You mean he has deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted. Has any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? No. But this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, Does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him or finding out what he is doing? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Look into it, and you will find that a prophet does not come from Galilee. Verse 53, then each went to his own home. But Jesus went up to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, This woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this questioning as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he strained up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stood down and wrote on the ground, At this, those who heard him, began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. 
When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's a lot of reading, but that's the point. That sometimes we can put too much value on different things than just having a good old restart. The Scriptures. You know, when Jesus says here, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We've heard this passage, such a powerful passage, such a powerful, controversial statement Jesus is making. But sometimes we can read that verse, but forget why he said it. But we just read the previous two chapters. And when we understand the previous two chapters, it makes more sense why he's saying, hey, I am the light of the world. So what I want to do here with us in our study today, you know, I want to break down a couple of things. If you notice, if you can say one thing, what was the theme of those two, of those two chapters? What stands out? We can go a lot of different ways, but to me the main thing that stands out is people were just confused about Jesus. People had strong opinions about Jesus, but they had no idea what Jesus really was telling them because they weren't listening to Jesus. They were listening to their own opinions. Or they were being led by the opinions on others about Jesus. But they were not listening to Him. You know, our restarts need to start with Jesus. Sometimes we go through something difficult in our lives and we're like, okay, I need to restart. I need to really evaluate what I believe in. But we don't start with Jesus. We can start with the problem that got us there. We need to restart with Jesus. You know, for the teen ministry, as teens become Christians in the teen ministry and they transition into the campus ministry, man, it's, it's a great time. First of all, you're not in high school anymore. You're in college. It's awesome. You get to be with campus students in a campus ministry there. You make your own schedule. And you're kind of going with the flow. You're, you're excited. But then a lot of the teens who become Christians and the teens get you know, different challenges about their faith come college in the college years. But it's a great opportunity for them to restart. And those that restart with Jesus end up staying faithful and growing in their faith. But I think it's the same for singles. It's the same for, for us marries that when we go through different things and we need to restart, we've got to make sure we restart with Jesus. You know, when you look here at the family, what was Jesus' family focused on? Well, they were just saying, hey, if you want to be a public figure, they already made a huge assumption right there. And now they're giving him some advice. So the family doesn't really understand Jesus. But they have strong Opinions. We have family that way, or we can be ourselves that way. Amen? The people. What about the people? You know, in verse 12 it says, Among the crowds there was a widespread whispering about him. Some said, he's a good man. Others, no, he deceives people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. So they had strong opinions. But were those accurate? Not really. You see, they didn't really have a restart. 
their focus was what people said. And again, in the teen ministry, this is one of the challenges. Teens that go to church or have grown up going to church, a lot of their faith is based on what they've heard. And they start their journey of God based on what they heard rather than starting with with Jesus. You know, another thing to, to mention here, in verse 30 it says, in chapter 7, at this they tried to seize him, but no one would lay to him because his hour had not yet come. Still many in the crowd believed in him. But then they say, when the Messiah comes, he will perform more signs than this man. So they would believe him, but then they'd be like, well, I don't think that's really him. Their restart was wrong. They were so confused. In chapter 8 and verse 2 it says, At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gather around him, and he sat down to teach them. So the people are just kind of all over the place. Listening to this crowd, listening to that crowd, talking amongst themselves, and listening to Jesus. But they were just all over the place. And in chapter 8, when the woman is brought in, and then Jesus says, hey, if anyone of you is without sin, let him throw the first stone. In verse 9 it says, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. So even though these people were going back and forth, they still showed up the next day. They still sat to hear Jesus. And when that situation happened with the woman, and Jesus says, hey, if any of you is without sin, throw the first stone, what did they do? Put their stones down. First of all, how did they even get one? How do you go from listening to Jesus to... I mean, you just... You see where the people are? But hey, this people are a reflection of us. We can be this way. Where we view God based on how it went that week. And if something goes wrong, like someone steals your computer, and you didn't back it up for five years somehow... Man, God, why did you do that? That's what I felt. God, why did you allow this to happen? And for months, it kept coming back up. I was blaming God. And we can, these things can happen to us, something unexpectedly, maybe a more serious tragedy, and we can blame God. People were so confused. Now, Jesus said something so powerful, convicted these guys, kind of freed them with the truth. But what did they do? They walked away. You and I can be this way. Because we find the answer to our challenge or, or we get inspired and we get convicted and we're like, oh, I know I'm wrong in that. What could they have done? They should have stayed. Who was the only person forgiven by Jesus here? The woman. Now, if those guys would have stayed, do you think they would have been forgiven? Of course. But they only got halfway there. They got convicted, and they left. That's how you and I can be when we come to church, when we go to a retreat, when we go here. We can be inspired. We can be convicted. But then we just walk away. 
And the next day, it's the same thing all over again. The next Sunday is the same thing all over again. When we get convicted, that means you need a restart. And so from now on, I want to encourage you, when you are convicted, remember that, hey, I need a restart. And you need to start with Jesus. Amen? And a restart doesn't have to be this dramatic, crazy change, but just in that one situation, in that one issue going on outside or inside. Are you with me right here? The people were so out of touch, and we can be that way. Let's look at the religious leadership. The Pharisees, chapter 7, verse 32, the Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent the temple guards to arrest him. It says, the Pharisees heard the crowd, and so then they're like, let's go arrest him. They didn't even hear Jesus himself. And again, this could be us. Really, this is our society where Jesus is quoted left and right. Really, he's being misquoted. You know, the Bible is one of the most quoted books in the world. But at the same time, is one of the least read books in the world. So, especially in our generation now that's growing up, they're hearing quotes about the Bible. But they're not going to read the Bible. So their faith is going to be based on these quotes. And some of them are way off. Right? And I always... Asked this through the, you know, in my little discussions in high school. Like, so what did Eve eat from the tree? Everyone's like, an apple! That would be Snow White. The Bible says fruit. Now, why did you believe apple? Uh, they just looked at the other guy to answer. And it's a silly point. It doesn't really make a difference. But they believe something that's not in the Bible, and now they're quoting it as the, if it's in the Bible. The religious, the religious leaders here were all based on quotes. Some of us are here. We've grown up. We have, we have strong opinions and maybe negative opinions about church, but it's most likely because of what you've seen, the hypocrisy, or you've heard quotes. Like, Why would God do that? That sounds so harsh. But hey, don't worry about that. Restart your view of God, but start with Jesus. In verse 47, they're like, you mean this? He, may, he has deceived you also? Again, this is the religious leaders. The Pharisees retorted, have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in Him? No. But this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. You see their self-righteousness. Just like, who are these? They don't even know anything about God. How can they have an opinion? And You know, it sounds really like, wow, the Pharisees. But you know what? I can have a Pharisee heart. Look down on other people in my heart. They don't even know the Bible, man. Why are they saying that? And I can get in wrong places. Again, but the restart needs to be Jesus. Nicodemus. Now, he had talked to Jesus prior. John chapter 3. And they're, they're having an interaction about baptism. And, and, and Jesus is teaching teachers. Nicodemus was a teacher of the law, right? And Jesus is like, you're a teacher and you don't know. Let, let, let me help you out. Let me teach you. But you know, Nicodemus went to see him at night, right? Why? Because he was afraid. 
And sometimes in our work, in our workplace, we can be afraid of really being about our faith. In high school, we can be afraid about being about our faith. In our neighborhood, in the grocery store, we can be afraid about being about it. And we can be like Nicodemus, just undercover brothers, you know? Undercover disciples. And that's what Nicodemus was. He had an opportunity right here to stand up and say to the Pharisees, listen, I've talked to him. You need to go talk to him. For, man, let, let's, let's have a conversation. Or I, This is what I believe. But he was too afraid. He took the politician route. Played it safe. When we are convicted and we're moved, we need to restart with Jesus. Not just play it safe. Amen? And finally, Jesus. Everyone has all strong opinions, but no one's listening to Him. In verse 7, He says, The world cannot hate you because it hated Me. Because I testify that it works, that its works are evil. You know, some of us, we really want just like peace. We want everyone to agree. We want everyone to like, oh, someone said really something negative about the church. Let's fix it. Oh, someone said this about, oh, no. And those are great intentions. I mean, God created you as a peacemaker. I'm kind of that way. I want peace. But in some things, there's just, there just can't be peace. You know, someone, oh, if I do this, if I stand up for this, I mean, this is what's going to happen. Well, that's because the world, some of people, part of the world, hates Jesus. And it's always going to be that way. Verse 17 says, Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. It doesn't say anyone who believes in me will find out. It says anyone who chooses, anyone who restarts with me and does the will of God, not just agrees. It's a huge difference. And I think at times, again, Everything I'm saying is what I do. At times, I could just be in the audience, I can be reading the Bible, and I could just agree instead of, I'm going to do the will of God. And when I read the Bible, like, okay, whatever I read, I'm accountable for, and if Jesus said it, I'm going to try and live it. Sometimes I'm like, man, I don't even know if I want to read the next chapter. Because then I'm going to have to do the will of God. That means change. That means, like, really trying that means less of Martin. But then the other part of me is like, man, but this is right. I want to know God better. Okay, let's read. We can all restart that way. Amen? We can start reading the Bible like this tonight, Monday morning. Let's restart with Jesus. A couple of final thoughts before we take communion on Jesus. On verse 37 it says, On the last and greatest day of the festival. You know, we've all gone to different camps in ministry. We've gone to different seminars. and All those are needed and they're inspiring. Here, this is the last day. And Jesus kind of is closing things out, right? But what does he do the next day? Look in chapter 8, in verse 1, or verse 2. 
At dawn, He appeared again in the temple courts. You see, Jesus was not all about the feast and the festival, the religious festival. When that ended, Jesus still showed up. And I think that's where our focus should be. Not the people, not the religious leadership, not Nicodemus, but Jesus. And you see this persistency in Him. You see this consistency in Him that even though all the crowd, all the food, everything's kind of gone... All the religious things were gone. The next day, you know, no one's really motivated. Everyone's sleeping in because they're tired. Jesus just shows up in the morning ready to teach again. Again, a lot of people were just focused on the religious festival instead of Him. For us, married with kids, right? We can get focused on the schedule. Oh, man, it is really challenging. How do I balance it? And we need to balance it. But then we can miss our own personal time with Jesus. Are you with me right here? At the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. You know, Jesus went home that night, right? Where did He go? To the Mount of Olives. Each day, Jesus was teaching at the temple. And each evening, He went out and spent the night on the hill called the Mount of Olives. And all the people came early in the morning to hear Him at the temple. It's interesting that Jesus didn't spend the night in the city. Even though the religious festival was going on in the city. Why would He go away? Some say, well, He wanted to go and pray and rejuvenate. That makes a lot of sense. One new thought I have, perhaps it's new to you, is I think He went out of the city just to guard His heart. Because what happened at night? Well, we have an example. There was a prostitute there. And this woman was caught in the act of adultery. It's probably safe to say a lot of that went on during the feast. Human nature. But you see Jesus guarding His heart. You know, when we restart, we got to make those steps of guarding our hearts. Sometimes we get convicted, we want to restart, but we don't remove things from our schedule. We don't change our schedule. You want, to, you want to restart, you want to restart with God and in your marriage, you need to change some things in your schedule, like praying together. Like planning your schedules together, all those little things. Spending time with God. Amen? And let's close out here in John chapter 8. A very popular passage, right? Very familiar with this passage when this woman is brought in. I find it amazing that even though this woman was caught in the act of adultery, she was brought in that the man wasn't brought in. Why did they only bring the woman? Girls? How you feel about that? What Jesus did for women, no one has ever done. That He raised the level of respect, honor for them more than anyone else. And yet there's some circles that are like, so like, for women that they're anti-Jesus. It's just like, why? You realize what He's done. 
How much He's fought for you. You know, as she's brought in, she's brought in the act. She was caught in the act, right? It's safe to say that maybe she was not fully clothed. What did Jesus do when she came in and they started talking to Him? What's Jesus doing? Tic-tac-toe some, I'm guarding my heart. Giving her some time. Brothers, it's, all, it's, it's good to look away. Sometimes we want to restart spiritually, but we don't remove the things that are attacking our spiritual integrity, our purity. We need to be passionate about that. Set up our computers. Set up our phones. Set up our kids' phones to guard our hearts from impurity. And we want to make restarts, but we don't make those changes. It's just not going to happen. Brothers, you're going to fall back again and again in that cycle. A restart in your purity and your integrity starts with Jesus. Removing certain things. Moving Jesus in. Amen? I'm sure Jesus was written something. It wasn't tic-tac-toe. What was written? No one knows why. Everyone was focused on the problem at hand. The Pharisees are here. The people are here. The woman is here. Jesus is here. What's going to happen? And they missed what Jesus wrote. That's the point. That we can get caught up in the schedules, the problems, the challenges, the different things we want to work on that are good things, but we miss what's written. To this day, we don't know what is written. Why? Because no one was looking. And only one woman stayed. Everyone else left. We can miss what was written. We don't restart and make Jesus our focus. Amen? Let's go ahead and pray for communion. I want to encourage you this week to find one thing that you need to restart in your walk with God. Perhaps is your your spiritual integrity as far as purity. Perhaps is your times with God. Perhaps is your view of the Scriptures before you open the Scriptures and as you read the Scriptures. Amen? It's encouraging to have this meeting. The, The South Bay Church leadership, they're at a retreat. Because we, we work them so hard, you know, they, they need to get away, right? But it's so encouraging that, hey, nothing changes. We're committed. We're here celebrating God. But I do want to encourage you to, you know, let's make sure we encourage those that serve us. Uh, especially the volunteer leaders in our small groups, and our community group leaders. Let's make sure we encourage them. But let's find that one area where we can have a restart. And restart needs to start with Jesus. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we're so grateful that uh, we can spiritually reboot, that when we get into trouble, when we freeze, when we get stuck, when we crash, God, that it's not over. 
As long as we're still alive, we have an opportunity to be close to You. Pray for all of us, God, that we can start with You. Because in life, God, we're going to have many, many restarts. And I pray that all of them would be with You first. Help us not to miss the Scriptures because we're so focused on everything else. Help us to engage and connect with You. Thank You for the opportunity to take communion. Father, the reminder that we take communion because to remember what You have done for us. Father, at this time as we meditate, I want to pray that we can push the reset button, the restart button in our walk with You. And understand what it's all about. That You died, Father, so that we can have a relationship with You and we can live a life worthy of the calling. And I pray as we take the bread and the juice, God, that we can remember who You are and what You call us to be. And we can start with You. Love You, God, and I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.